Welcome to City Harbor Church, a safe place to find and follow Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. So much going on already at the beginning of the summer. I hope that you are keeping up with us uh, in our weekly email newsletter. It will help you know exactly where and how we're getting together in person and the updates to our virtual and online uh, resources that are available. Uh, We are honoring our graduates and we are so proud of them. We are so proud of the way that they have completed their course in school and are doing good things. An important year for us as Charlotte and Zach are transitioning uh, to college. Uh, Gideon and Ashland are starting high school among the bunch of other students that also participate in our youth uh, gatherings. We are proud of you guys. We love you guys. And we're thankful for to see what God is doing in, in your lives. So we're getting together outside. Uh, We're getting together uh, in in in-person church services and prayer meetings and a bunch of different ways. So make sure that you are staying up to date and connected uh, with us. We definitely want to say on June 7th, a happy anniversary to Joe and Anna. One of the first couples in the church. We appreciate you guys so much the way that you faithfully serve the church family. And on the 12th, it's the anniversary of Ben and Kristen, also one of the early families uh, to our church and who faithfully serve the church. We're thankful for you. Happy anniversary to you guys. And I know it's a special week because you're celebrating on the 15th the birthday of Daphne. Happy birthday, Daphne. And on the same day, Monica and Femi will be celebrating the birthday of David. (laughs) We love you guys. What a fun week, fun way to uh, celebrate. Uh, here we have birthdays, we've got anniversaries, we've got graduates that we're celebrating, and Father's Day as well. I'm thankful for all the dads in the church, those that are raising up uh, children that uh, are their own biologically and those that are not their own biologically, but have made them a part of the family. Being uh, an example of the love of God, which is faithful and patient and kind. Man, I'm just thankful that we can see so many good examples of that here and now. So let's pray and ask God for a little bit of guidance today as we uh, turn to our time in the scripture. Lord, I thank you for these milestones of life that we're celebrating this month. I thank you for your goodness, for your grace, and for your love on us. I thank you that you speak to us uh, through the truth we find in Scripture and uh, through Jesus, the words of Jesus, and through the life example of those who responded to him. I pray, God, would you help us to understand what we're reading today, help us to know what we should do about it. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, today... The title of the message is, We Are Gathered. We Are Gathered. Uh, Maybe you're used to uh, graduations, weddings, and whatnot, hearing somebody say, we are gathered here today to, you know, maybe it kind of reminds me of the Princess Bride movie. You know, uh, people celebrating their anniversaries. Mowage is what brings us together today. (laughs) Rewatching some uh, uh, movies in the summertime can be fun. We are gathered. Why? Why Why are we gathered? Uh, well, we see, Acts chapter 2, verse 21, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Salvation, forgiveness, cleansing, freedom, new spiritual life. It's Jesus. You know, there was a Sunday school class, a group of kids, and the teacher asked the kids, now, in a guessing game, now class, what is 
love it furry, has a big fluffy tail, runs up trees, and collects nuts. And one of the kids said, well, it sounds an awful lot like a squirrel, but it's Sunday, so I know the answer must be Jesus. <laughs> you know, I know we can kind of feel that way on Sunday, the answer is always Jesus. But when we think about why, why are we gathered? We need to be focused on Jesus. That's that's a really important. And here we have, we're coming out of this season of 15 months of our lives, our rhythms, um, our ordinary gathering being disrupted with coronavirus and, and concerns about not wanting to get sick, not wanting to get other people sick, not wanting to, you know, wanting to avoid really serious respiratory issues. And, and we, it's given us a chance to, uh, for some of us, slow down. For all of us, definitely reevaluate um, what we're doing and why we're doing it. It's given us a chance to be creative, to think deeply. And, and I hope it's given you a chance to think about life, how you choose to live your life, what matters most in life, and the things that you're choosing to be active in. And I don't know about you, but for me, I don't want to be active in things that are meaningless. I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to um, do things, spend energy, spend time on things that don't matter. And so I'm really thankful that we have, and, and I'm also, you know, being from the Pacific Northwest originally, you know, I grew up in an environment of the way of thinking was very much not about, hey, let's just do what people have always done, but instead creative and innovative environment where it's like, hey, what could we do that would be new? And what's working? And if it's not working, let's stop doing that. Let's do something new and different. And I think that if we're not careful, we can fall into a trap of routines and going through the motions and doing things that we don't really care about, or we don't really know why we're doing them. And I think this is a great opportunity for us to reimagine what life following Jesus is like. That as we do that, what I want us to do is let's come back to um, where Jesus followers who heard Jesus' words and were changed by him themselves, they received this new spiritual life, this salvation and forgiveness. How did they respond? And that's what we've been going through over the last several weeks, looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. So let's read that. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. They devoted themselves to those four things. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So this first group of people that had experienced guilt and shame at the mistakes of their past, interacted with Jesus, received this salvation, this new spiritual life. And for the last several weeks, we've been looking at how they respond to help us evaluate what should we be doing? Why should we be doing it? And so that's where we've gone through 
um, and phrased it in the we are uh, phrasing of looking at all the different elements of this. So we're following Jesus, right? And in looking at the four things they were devoted to, we said we are learning. We are spiritual family, right? That's the fellowship, the koinonia word. We're participating in this together. We're, we're choosing to be a spiritual family out of this Jesus experience. Now, we are sharing life. That includes food, and that includes the Lord's Supper. That includes good times, enjoying being together. We're sharing life. We are praying. That's one of the things that they devoted themselves to. We are praying. And then recently what we looked at is the things that happen as a result of that. We are seeing miracles. And we are seeing miracles. Um, and we are sharing resources. There was a courageous generosity, a way of providing for each other, proactively taking care of each other. And today what we're looking at is we are gathered. And we'll finish next Sunday on the videos of Facebook and YouTube, right? Um, with And the podcast, We Are Sent. So we are gathered and we are sent. So I want us to consider, hey, we're in this together. We're getting together. We come together around a shared focus on Jesus. And that's what happened with them. And it was miraculous. People noticed it. They said, hey, this is really different. What's happening with this group of people? Because what they saw, even with that first group in Jerusalem, is these are people that are really different from each other. You have Jews who um, had their established way of life. And among them, you had people that were from small towns outside that were poor, some that were uh, small business people. And then you had people that were living in Jerusalem that had more wealth. Um, you had people that the Jews considered to be traitors, that were tax collectors, people that were working for the Roman government, uh, collecting taxes and were corrupt. And then you had zealots. You had these people that were very angry at the setting, the way that the the Jews were collaborating with the Romans in this corrupt, oppressive system, and zealots were about anarchy. They were well; they were about revolt. They were wanting to overthrow this system by any means necessary. Uh, civil unrest and, and violence, and you had people of all these different kinds, different ethnicities, different cultures, different races, different education levels, economic levels, that were coming together as followers of Jesus. And people were like, what is happening? I remember that person and that person, and they hated each other, and they didn't like people like this. They they really, they, you had people that had an established belief. I don't like people who were like this because they're like that. And what happened through Jesus was there was this miraculous way that those people were getting together and they were devoted. They were, they were doing something with intense effort despite difficulty. They were devoted to these different things and, and, and they were uh, in fellowship and participating in sharing life together. It was very much a, we're in this together. There was a culture of equality, of humility, of peace, of giving and receiving. And, and it was something that was absolutely unique. But what I want to focus on today is this element of we are gathered. What happened, what we see in the description here is that day by day they gathered in groups that were large and groups that were small and in places that were very much public and in homes. And, and at that time, there was different kinds of homes and most of them did not have um, such a small number of people that most of our homes have. And most of, and, and some homes, even of small business people, included people who worked for them, worked for the business. Um, and 
uh, even uh, people that were not wealthy would share meals and their homes would be uh, mostly open air and people could come and participate in those meals. And so one of the words oikos that you see in the New Testament to describe the way the units in which these believers of Jesus gathered was actually a word that described the people that you might expect to show up at your house. And so we see groups, big groups, small groups, really public groups, semi-private um, around these different activities that we just described. But it's something, and you're going to see on the screen, I'm going to put in the notes at cityharborchurch.com slash messages, a bunch of the different verses where we see this. Uh, and it's the setting for what had happened here in Acts 2, <clears throat> where the the 12 followers of Jesus had, had dwindled somewhat, right? Definitely less than 20. And then they had grown to around 120. They waited for the Holy Spirit like Jesus told them to. And then we see this explosion in this one day from around 120 to 3,000. And so the setting for it, though, was all the way from the smaller group. They met together and they were constantly united in prayer. They were in one place, and it was on the day of Pentecost, this festival in Jerusalem, where they were meeting together in one place, around 120 of them. And that continues, right? That's the setting where the Holy Spirit comes, and then we see this explosion. They're meeting together in one place, and in verse 46, you're getting the specific description of when they're at 3,000, the ways in which they continued to get together. They worship together, so that's worshiping God. The worship of God is a very important activity for all Jesus' followers. It's set in that language. They worship together. Now, the temple in Jerusalem was a building that Herod had rebuilt after it had been torn down, and it had these public courtyards. And so there was, it was a public place where they could come together. They worshiped God in these big public places, and they met in homes. They got together in homes. That's what we see in 46. Now, in chapter 5 and verse 12, it specifically mentions that they were meeting together regularly. So there's this day by day. And the, the phrasing of that is several times a week, multiple times a week, not just one time a week. They had a an established rhythm of taking a day off work in honor of God on Saturdays. And then the early Jesus followers started to, they would rest on that Saturday and then they would come together to worship Jesus on a Sunday morning specifically. But they were gathering, and what we see in, in chapter 5, at Solomon's Colonnade. Now Solomon's Colonnade is an open air area of the temple that had a covering with these pillars. And it was between the private worship area and in the big open space that was a courtyard that Gentiles could come into, people that were not Jews. So Solomon's colonnade was between there. So it's definitely a gathering place. And that's where we see they're, they're <clears throat> coming together in that space on a regular basis. And this continued. We also see uh, multiple references to it. But what we see in public or in homes, what we see in Acts chapter 5 verse 42, it was coming around a central focus. And what's the focus? The focus is Jesus. And around this message, Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the one that God sent, the Savior of the world, bringing salvation and new spiritual life. So they were together. There was excitement and there was so much going on at this time. Now, what we also see in the book of Acts, and we're going to be reading it together 
We're going to be starting that very soon this week in this reading the book of Acts. What we're going to see there and then throughout the rest of the New Testament is that it was also reality. They were humans. They were real people. They, it, what you don't see is that a whole bunch of them just quit their jobs, quit what they were doing for a living. Um, and, and what you see is that life continued and that they still had a human nature. And so there's relationship conflict. There's issues that arise. There's controversy. And as they're going through real life and yet following Jesus and having difficulty with this coming together throughout the book of Acts and actually the rest of the New Testament, we see a lot of practical help and very specific teaching about how they interacted with those difficulties. Hey, it's a real world. You get people together, there's going to be issues. You've got issues. We got tissues. We're going to work together. Jesus prayed for them, remembering the purpose. And, and they talked about this. And let's look at it quickly. We just read it um, not uh, not too uh, long ago. John chapter 17, verse 20 and 21, recording what Jesus prayed. I'm, he's talking to Father God. I'm praying not only for these disciples, the one that he was seeing week in and week out, but also for all who will ever believe in me through your message. So this is Jesus specifically praying for you, praying for me. I pray for them. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. May they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. So Jesus knew that as we gather together that there could be issues. And his prayer was, God, bring them together with this faithful, patient kind of love that you have with a commitment to unity and bring them together in this way with a purpose so that other people will believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior, the sent one, the one in whom there is a way to know truth and have new spiritual life. That's the purpose. It's the purpose in our gathering. It's, it's one of the essential, one of the primary purposes when we gather is that out of our real world relationships, where we bring our whole self to the table, our honest self, and we honestly interact with each other, people will notice, hey, that's unique, that's different. This message of salvation in Jesus must be real. It must be possible. It's a miracle truth. So he, it's a part of Jesus' prayer. And clearly they needed the reminder of that purpose. And they needed reminder that when life gets difficult, when there are challenges to this, hey, don't give up. And we see that in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, which was definitely written to these, this first church and other people as well. It says this, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Now remember, what's the hope we affirm? It's Jesus. The hope of Jesus, salvation. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Right? Atmosphere of encouragement. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. They're saying, hey, let's keep our focus on Jesus. 
Let's not drift into our own worlds, but let's continue. Let's persist. Let's stay devoted and gathering, gathering together. Let's not stop gathering together, keeping our focus on Jesus. What happens is they grew to understand that God's purpose included a strategic connection in their relationships. It's not about an event that you attend to check off the box and, hey, if we're all just under this one same roof, people will believe. No, it's there's a strategic connection to their relationship. There's a purpose of God in it. And this is essential to us having healthy relationships with each other, to any church having a prayer of looking like Jesus, sounding like Jesus, being a place that people want to be. Now, Jesus cared about this. That's why he said, I will build my church. And he gave them an example, this building example that I think is important that we see in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 19 to 22. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners, right? This is talking about, hey, as a church, we, a group of people that were different from each other, were coming together. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. There's citizenship, familyship, right? Together we are his house, the house of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, which is teaching, pointing to Jesus. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Now watch this now. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. All the way throughout the Old Testament, throughout the history of people worshiping Yahweh God, Father God, there is this image, this function, this truth, this reality that when we come together in unity, focused on God, God lives among us. God is with us. There is this close personal relationship with God, the God of love that's faithful, patient, and kind. God comes and he lives among us. And when we gather as the house of God, the temple of God, citizens of his kingdom, a part of his family, when we gather in that way, built on the found, what is the foundation? Jesus is the foundation. Built on this foundation, when we come together in that way, we gather together for that purpose, we are a place where God lives, where God dwells. I think this sums it up pretty well. Jesus wanted his followers to interact with one another like members of a strong group, surrogate family characterized by collectivist solidarity and commitment on every front. Such was Jesus' vision for authentic community. That's from Joseph Hellerman when the church was a family. I think he's speaking to this image that we just discussed but another one that was really common among these early uh, believers, and that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 with this analogy that we, uh, this group of people carefully joined together, we're the body of Christ, where each part is essential to the healthy function of the whole. You, every one of you and myself, we're essential to this coming together. Now we know Ephesians 4, Jesus is the head of the church, right? We're focused on the thoughts of Jesus. He's the, the cent he commands the central nervous system, giving us order and direction, helping us know how we should function. But we see in Ephesians 4 too that every part of the body is connected and active. Healthy life is possible when we're connected with each other. 
It's so important for us to understand that. And that's why we get this truth that we find from the, the Purple Book from Steve Morell and, and Rice Brooks that church is meant to be a community of people who are helping each other grow closer to God. And there, listen, in the Purple Book, there's so much more about the church, why, and its purpose, and how it should function. It's not a book for you to get as academic content. It's a book with questions, scripture references, where you can find the answer, where we can learn the truth together. In that, it's about this close personal relationship with God. And Jesus talked about looking forward to it so much in our strategic connectedness here on earth and in the future as the bride of Christ. This analogy of a wedding feast that after Jesus returns and, and heaven is our home. It's a feast. It's wonderful. It's a festival of, of culmination of these relationships and, and and relationships now that will be pure, free from anything that's opposite of the faithful, patient, and kind love of God, that's a part of God's purpose. And I think that's important for us to have as a focus. Here's a couple of thoughts that I think will help us clarify this and understand it. Um, another analogy would be um, the church as an embassy. Have you ever you know, seen the embassy of another country here in the U.S.? Or maybe you've gone, traveled to another country and seen the embassy of the United States somewhere else. The church acts as a sort of embassy for the government of the king. It is an outpost of the kingdom of God surrounded by the kingdom of darkness here and now on earth. And just as the embassy of a nation is meant, at least in part, to showcase the life of that nation to the surrounding people, so the church, that's us, is meant to manifest the life of the kingdom of God to the world around it. That's from Kevin DeYoung and Greg Gilbert in the book, What is the Mission of the Church? Making Sense of Social Justice, Shalom, and the Great Commission. What we see with these early church followers is that they were like an embassy. And they were focused on regular in their rhythm of getting together. We're gathered. What you don't see is that they started to just fly solo. They're just doing life on their own only according to their own thoughts and dreams and desires and plans and their own understanding. And, and No, they didn't do that. They were gathering regularly, and they weren't limited to the past ways of gathering. They weren't limited to the frequency of the past ways of, of the way that they've always done it, or even the locations that they always gathered before. They weren't limited by those things, and yet what it was was clearly a priority, a strategic connection. Uh, it was about relationships and participation and sharing together. And that's why we, City Harbor Church, that's why we do what we do. Uh, when we have larger group gathering in a public space like the church building or virtually online, making it available and doing the best that we can to make it available to as many people as possible. When we, we do those things, it, it's a part of that following that example. When we gather in homes or, or on Zoom, we gather in smaller groups, going on a hike together, uh, doing, doing uh, projects together in the community, doing prayer walks together. When we gather in these smaller groups, we're following the examples that we have seen here, why they were gathering, what they were doing, and how they were doing it. And as we're in a time of creative reimagining things and, and making sure that we're really thinking through what are we doing and why are we doing and does it matter to me and does it matter to me in the way that is faithful to what Jesus told us to do and in a way that 
is faithful to the way that the first followers of Jesus. So we're thinking about those things. I want you to realize everything that we do at City Harbor Church is pointed in this direction. No method, no program is sacred. We want to be creative. We want to be open to doing what God has called us to do and to do it in a way that's faithful to these examples. And, and that's why we, we come back to the scripture as an example. That's why we, we, we give journals and, and, and encourage writing things down and, and prayer requests and answers to prayer. That's why we have the, the thoughts, the messages, the things that we do. And, and we're in a unique rhythm right now as a church family where we have this online way of gathering gathering. And, and I've seen it powerfully in, in phone calls and in Zoom, where you can sense the presence of God as we've connected with each other, where when we're sharing about the difficulties of life, the challenges, or what we're learning in our focus on God as we've been reading the same passages together, reading through the New Testament together uh, this year, in the various different ways that we connect together, the power of the living God is there. And so for us as a church family, in the way that the reason that we organize a Sunday morning gathering as an example or video and a smaller group gathering, whether it be Thursday night Zoom or through um, youth small groups or celebrate recovery small groups or different small groups that have various focuses. In any of those things that we're organizing, what we try to do at City Harbor Church is to help it be simple with not a bunch of extra stuff and we try to organize it on a rhythm and a schedule that makes it as easy as possible for you to connect with it. On a rhythm and a schedule that's not overbearing, but allows for freedom, allows for you to multiple times during the week in different ways, gather with believers. But in, in focusing on a Sunday gathering, uh, prayer gatherings, Zoom gatherings, right now we're in this rhythm where we're doing it once a month. Once a month we are getting together for in-person church service. We've simplified it. We've slowed it down to a rhythm where we can have an opportunity to say, hey, am I following Jesus the way that God wants me to? And to have it be a priority, have it be a focus. And we see that that's what they did. They gathered in that way. And so we have this rhythm of once a month in-person church service. And I would encourage you to come, come on out and, and give that a try. And let it be a priority and a focus and something that you set as more important than other activities in life. Um, and we also see that with... Um, the way that we're trying to be active outside the church building. Um, I like this quote. Um, some of us read the booklet from N.T. Wright, uh, God in the Pandemic. Jesus doesn't does not need church buildings for his work to go forward. Part of the answer to the question, where is God in the pandemic, must be out there on the front line suffering and dying to bring healing and hope. God's given all of us an opportunity still to this day to serve, to be uh, a representation of the love of Jesus with others. And I appreciate that in the, the small book, The Post-Quarantine Church, you see some really good thoughts that we are exploring about how can we use the building to be an outpost, an embassy, a place where the community can be served. What are their needs? How can it be served? And there's already a food pantry there. 
Um, but how else could we leverage the building in that way? And should we have different, a variety of times that, that a church service is available? We need to be thinking about how does God want to leverage that? But what, as we're thinking about it, it's really important for it to not be limited by our imagination and definitely not, but not be something that's about guilt, but something that we're excited about and motivated about. And that's why one of the most important quotes from that book, Post-Quarantine Church, is this, the post-quarantine church is moving into a time of pervasive and powerful prayer. I believe that communicating with God, our, our time in prayer hearing from God. It's one of the most important things we can do at this time so that we don't get overly busy doing a bunch of, just because we have missed getting together over the last 15 months, then now all of a sudden we don't spin our wheels and do a whole bunch of extra stuff that's unnecessary stuff that maybe God is not asking us to do. And that's why what we've also organized is a once a month in-person prayer meeting in the church building, once a month, getting together for prayer. I think that may be one of the most important things this whole summer that we do as a church family, truly connecting with God, praising God in that atmosphere of prayer, resting in his presence, listening to the Holy Spirit, and making intercession. I hope that you would participate in that. You, you'll you find the information at, through our um, on our church website, the calendar, and uh, through the email newsletter or reach out by phone or email to make sure that you know when that's happening. Um, but what you'll also see in different ways that we get together virtually and in person is that we make prayer a priority in those atmospheres as well. And it's the only way that we can, like these early church followers did, be an example of coming together, coming together with people that are unique from us, different from us, um, and overcoming maybe prejudice or hurt from the past or a lack of trust in other people. It's really important. I, I so very much appreciate the Reverend Dr. John Perkins, who was with us um, uh, a few years back here in Baltimore, spent some time with uh, some of you uh, were, were with me and, and hearing from him as he is getting closer to uh, transitioning to heaven, he wrote a book, One Blood, Parting Words to the Church on Race and Love. And I think this quote is relevant to us on this subject of gathering. In this church with different ethnicities, he's talking about the Acts 2 church, different ethnicities, different races. In this church with different ethnicities, there was a beautiful picture of how the church is to live out this idea of unity in the body. It was a picture of the vision almost realized. That's the, the future wedding feast with the Lamb. The, the picture of the vision almost realized here on earth. They met from house to house, ate together, and met each other's needs, and God added to the church daily. They embraced the vision. They broke down the walls of resistance to loving those who were different. And I think taking from that as a springboard, Latasha Morrison in Be the Bridge, Pursuing God's Hurt for Racial Reconciliation writes this, We cannot fulfill the command of God if we aren't as committed to our neighbor as we are to ourselves. Jesus made it even more clear. He directed the disciples to go into the world teaching others of his restorative, rec reconciliatory uh, love. Now, it's important when we think about reconciliation that we have God's thoughts about it and not our own. 
and that our focus is on the love of Jesus, not the problem. That gives us a way to have open eyes to the challenges that arise when we get together and be alert to those things, but focused on the love of Jesus and to be able to work through them to be able to grow closer and to have conversations where maybe we realize that we misunderstood each other, prejudged each other, didn't really understand. Maybe we had a, a misunderstanding in a conversation years ago and ever since then we thought that this person was a particular way and maybe it's a way that they really are not. God wants to help us with it. And with it, what I want us to consider is that City Harbor Church, we are not trying to be a small church. We're not trying to be something we're not. What we want to be is open to what God wants us to be. And that's why I think uh, where this is coming from, from the book And by Hugh Halter and Matt Smay, the gathered and scattered church, which is so critical to this message and next week's message, which will also be on Facebook and YouTube and cityharborchurch.com slash messages. I want you to consider this. Every small group, house church, or organic expression of the church needs to be willing to open up and expand. God wants everyone in his family, so you'll have to eventually find a way to hold larger gatherings of communities and people together. I believe that's true. So what do we do about all this? Well, number one, please take the time, go back over this message, the scriptures, this series, what we've been hearing about how the Jesus followers responded, deeply consider what this truth, they were gathered day by day in groups big and small, deeply consider what this means. Pray, have a conversation with God about it so that you are learning, so that you are hearing what God wants you to hear, so that you are learning from this truth. And then write down truth. What are plain, simple phrases, sentences that you have learned through these truths? That will help you think. It will help you bring to light questions that you have, doubts that you have, obstacles that you need to overcome. It will help bring to light the priorities of Jesus, the love of Jesus, and right motivation, which will help us not gather out of guilt, but instead let all of our getting together be out of, thank you, Jesus, for salvation, right? So deeply consider what it means. Pray, write down truth. Second, gather in the same way the early church did. I think now more maybe than any other moment in your life is time for you to think through whatever the obstacles are. Coronavirus, finances, transportation, prejudice, misunderstanding of other people, not trusting other people. What insecurity, pride, selfishness, whatever, what is the obstacle that is in the way. We got to think through and make a decision that we're going to gather in the same way the early church did. Make a decision to do it and then do it. And maybe for you, it's online and engage, hey, engage with us in the all person, uh, in the all church Zoom on Thursday nights. If you're just doing online only right now for, for a particular concern, Please understand that the only way you're going to find fulfillment in this relationship with God is through interaction with other believers. Just watching a video is not enough. It helps you. It will bring strength to you. It will bring spiritual life to you. It will be a benefit to you. And I would encourage you to 
carefully consider, but we use safe protocols on our in-person um, worship gatherings. Gather together. Let's get together the once a month in-person church service, the once a month prayer meeting. Let's make it a priority. Number three, when you do, bring your whole self. Don't come and be fake. Don't come and leave part of you at home. Bring your whole self focused on Jesus and ready to share. Remember that koinonia, participation word. It's a sharing in. We're sharing in this journey together. When we gather, bring your whole self, bring your real self, bring yourself focused on Jesus, ready to share in the journey. I think that's a faithful way for us to respond to what God asks us to do. Now, I know that this isn't entirely easy. We are gathered. That's really what we're talking about after 15 months of this? Yes, I believe that this is important for us to consider. And I know that we have, we travel to see family, we, we do different things, but this should be a priority. It shouldn't be legalistic. It shouldn't be something we hate. It should be something, but in our human nature, there's going to be things about it that are, are uncomfortable at first. There's going to be things about it we don't like at first. We might have to change our sleep schedule. We might have to change different things so that we can come in good energy. But this is a priority. It's a priority that is beneficial to you. I want you to consider the truth that Jesus gives us instruction and guidance and he gives us these examples because it's helpful to us. It brings us into what God is already doing. And that's fulfilling. That's life-giving. That's where real joy is possible. So will you allow me to pray for you today? God, I thank you so very much that you give us this truth for our benefit. God, we confess where we have not taken it seriously. We confess where we've made the mistake of not valuing it the way that we should. Would you forgive us? Cleanse us from any guilt or shame. Help us to Set our priorities according to your priorities. Help us to hear your voice in this. Help it, us to make the gathering a priority. Help us, Lord, to come ready to bring our whole selves focused on Jesus, ready to share with a fresh focus, ready to participate. God, I thank you that you've given us this value system, that in it we find a fresh sense of identity, of value, of purpose. Help us, Lord, in it, I ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.